All right. Well, for those of you who might be just joining us at the tail end of our study, just to catch you up to speed really quickly, we've been doing a study in this book entitled Fervent by Priscilla Shire, and it has been awesome. If you have not been part of it, I encourage you to get this book and read through it on your own. But don't just read through it. It actually has um, tools for you to put into use and, and uh, exercises for you to do with writing out prayers in e the end of each chapter. And it's so powerful. And it really gets us praying the word over our lives in, to a fuller degree. Because we all have those go-to scriptures that we easily pray over our lives. But this has us digging in, pulling out more scriptures, writing them out, praying them over our lives continually. It's so powerful. So if you haven't been part of that, I just encourage you to pick this book up on Amazon or wherever you can find it, and it will definitely make a difference in your life and in your prayer life. All right, well, we are going to be talking about the last chapter of this book today. And so if you haven't been reading along with us, don't worry, because the messages are completely independent of the book, and I know God will speak to you today. So let's just pray together, and let's ask him to speak to us, because I know that's what you came for, right? Yes. All right. Father, we come to you right now, and God, we just open our hearts wide to you. Father, we ask you to speak to each and every one of us today. We fix our attention and our focus on you. And Father, our hearts are open. We want to hear from you. May your word go deep into our hearts today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Well, throughout this series, we've been talking about 10 very common ways in which the enemy is strategic in coming after us to destroy our prayer lives. Now, we haven't been talking about these things to magnify the enemy, not at all. But we have been talking about them so that we, as women of God, can be aware of his schemes and his tactics. So we don't just sit back and get walked all over, but instead we become women who are strategic in prayer and in our fight against him, right? And so we've talked about nine different areas so far. And today, as we talk about this last area that the book uh, takes us through, this last area is in the area of our relationships, specifically relationships within the body of Christ. Now, have any of you ever had your feathers ruffled a little by another Christian? Oh, you're laughing because surely not, because we're all perfect? <laughs> no, you're laughing because, of course, we have, right? Of course. But, you know, unity among the body of Christ is vitally important to the heart of God. In fact, last year, we spent our entire season here at Bridge Women talking about unity because it's so important to God's heart. And we talked about the fact that in John chapter 17, Jesus actually prays for us, for our unity. Because it says in, in his prayers, he's praying, he says that he prays for everyone who would ever come to believe in him. That's you and me. 
He prayed for us. He had us in mind when he was praying for our unity, that we would be one just as he and the Father are one. And then in that prayer in John 17, he continues to say why it's so important, why he wants us to be so united. And it's so that people will see his love in operation through us and they will be drawn to the Father. That is ultimately the purpose for which any of us exist, isn't it? To draw people to God, to be light in darkness, and draw people to him. And you know, the more we are united, the brighter our light will be, and the more people we can reach for him. So, if we are going to fulfill God's purposes on this earth, God's purposes for our lives, it makes it very clear that it is going to be done through our relationships with each other. God did not call any of us to be lone rangers. He did not call any of us to be isolated islands. He wants to fulfill his purposes on the earth through all of us by being united together. Because when we're united, he is revealed more fully to the world around us. And then in Psalm 133, it says that when we dwell together in unity, that's where God commands his blessing. Ladies, if we want to experience the blessings of God, we must be united with each other in the body. And you know, it's through relationships with other believers where the greatest blessings in life come from? Have you noticed that? My greatest blessings in life come from relationship with other believers. So let me ask you, do you think the enemy wants us fulfilling God's purposes and drawing others into his kingdom? Of course not. Do you think the enemy wants us experiencing the great blessings that come to us when we're united with the body? Of course not. So that means he is going to try everything he can to destroy our relationships with other believers. He wants to bring division in the body. That's his goal. Priscilla Shire in her book writes it like this. If I were your enemy... I'd work to create division between you and other Christians, between groups of Christians, anyone with the potential for uniting in battle against me and my plans. I'd keep you operating individually, not seeing your need for the church or tying yourself to it too closely. Strength in numbers and unity in purpose, I would not allow things like these to go unchecked. You see, the enemy knows the power that is unleashed when we unite together. And he wants to keep that from happening. Look at our world today. Would you say there's division in our world today? There is so much division, isn't there? So much hatred in our world today. And sadly, much of it spills over into the church world. Can I tell you, I have literally seen people 
almost get into a physical altercation in church because of political differences. If the pastor reads a scripture that doesn't agree with someone's personal political view, they become mad at the pastor because of what the Bible said. People leave churches all the time because of conflicts. What are churches made up of? People. Who is the church? We are people. Do you know what that means? There will always be conflict. <laughs> because where there are people, there's conflict. Maybe... A volunteer is just trying so hard to be so conscientious about their responsibilities that they lost sight of speaking gently to someone. It has happened. I'm so sorry, but it has. Maybe a person newer to the faith uses language that offends a person who's been walking with God most of their life and doesn't use that kind of language. It happens. Maybe someone who's been walking with God for a long, long time says something that means one thing to them and something totally different to the person they said it to, possibly something hurtful to the person they said it to. It has happened. Maybe the pastors get so focused on greeting new people or praying for a hurting person or on their responsibilities within the service that they don't say hello to someone. And there's hurt feelings. It has happened. I'll just tell you, Sunday... Well, probably every Sunday. <laughs> Sunday, I'm sure I hurt someone's feelings because I'm in all the services. I'm trying to be out in the foyer after services, talking to as many people as I can. I realize there's less than five minutes before the next service starts. I need to get back to the office because I really need to use the restroom. And, you know, I have like four minutes. And so I know I darted past people. And if I didn't get to hug you, I'm so sorry. Please don't be mad at me. <laughs> Sometimes things happen without any ill intentions behind them. Sometimes people get their feelings hurt. Sometimes there is conflict. Can I tell you one of the things I love the most about our church, about the Bridge Church? It is how beautifully diverse we are. We have people from all different ethnic backgrounds, and I love that. We have people of all different ages. That's so awesome. We have people from all different upbringings, from all different church backgrounds. We have many people without any church background at all. I love it. It's so beautiful. I think that's what heaven is going to look like. So I absolutely love it. But you know what? We're not in heaven yet. 
we're still in these earthly, fleshly, human bodies. We're not perfected yet. And with so many beautiful differences, on occasion, people might have differences. It happens. But can I tell you that this is not a new problem? This is not just in today's world. This is not just at the Bridge Church. This has been happening from the beginning of time. I often think of the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4. When he calls out two women by name who had been serving alongside him in ministry that apparently were having some differences. In Philippians 4 verse 2, he says, I implore Euodia and I implore Sintichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. And the next verse says that these two women were serving alongside him in ministry. Basically, he's saying, hey, Euodia, hey, Sintichi, can you not just get along? <laughs> Yikes, can you imagine having your name recorded for all future generations to see because you couldn't get along with your sister in the Lord who you were serving in ministry with? Yikes, that would be a little embarrassing. <laughs> but you know what? I'm thankful for that because it shows us the reality that conflicts do occur, okay? So let me ask you, have you ever had a conflict with someone you served with at church? You don't need to raise hands, okay? <laughs> have you ever had a conflict with someone who watches your precious little ones in Bridge Kids? You know, the ones who miss service so that you can be fed and receive the word of God in service? Yeah, that one. <laughs> Have you ever had a conflict with someone in your small group, in your connect group? Have you ever had a conflict with someone who sits near you on a Sunday? They weren't in your seat, were they? Because I know how you get about that. <laughs> Have you ever had a conflict with someone at your table at Bridge Women? Surely not. Ladies, wherever there are people, there will be conflicts. But how we handle the conflicts is what is critically important. So what do we do? Before we talk about what we should do, and what the Bible tells us to do. I want us to talk first about what many of us actually do. You see, I think that many Christians feel like if we bite our tongues, if we don't lash out and say what we really want to say, then we're doing good. But that's not necessarily the case. Because very often, someone will get their feelings heard in church, and then 
They let their feelings lead them. Their emotions start going crazy on the inside as they rehearse the scenario over and over and over from every possible angle. And it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And then they're so wrought up on the inside and upset and angry that they just withdraw. Well, I'm just going to stop going. I'm going to stop going to my connect group. I'm going to stop going to Bridge Women. I'm going to see if anybody notices I'm not there. If they really care about me, they'll call me. They'll check on me. And then if there's no text, if there's no phone call, well, I'm just going to pull back a little further. I'm going to stop going on Sundays. I'll show them. I'm going to see if anybody notices, if anybody cares about me. I mean, they say they're Christians, but are they even going to care about me? Are they even going to notice I'm not there? And then, if we don't get that call, nobody checks on us, then what happens? We step back even further and end up withdrawing and removing ourselves completely from church, sometimes washing our hands of Christians, of church altogether, even of God. We end up speaking poorly about church, about Christians, about God. Because we were looking to people to fix things that we needed to bring to God to begin with. And sometimes it's something within us that needs a little adjustment. But see, when we allow that to happen, when we withdraw and withdraw and withdraw and remove ourselves, we end up isolating ourselves and the enemy just won. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.1, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire he rages against all wise judgment. You see, our own fleshly desire is to put up our walls, to push people away, to isolate. We feel safer then. But that is the furthest thing from godly wisdom. That is a scheme, a tactic of the enemy. And we have got to recognize that. He wants to remove us from the body of Christ that God wants us so united with. It happens all the time. Recently, I was in a store. And I saw someone that I hadn't seen in quite a while from church. And I said, oh, I've missed you. How are you? And she was very guarded. And she said, well... You know, I just had this little conflict with someone I served with, and it just was too awkward being around her. So I just stopped coming to church, and we're just not really going anywhere right now. Oh, broke my heart. The enemy got in. The enemy is winning in that situation. Ladies, 
We've got to recognize his schemes, his tactics. We can't allow him to bring division between us. We can't allow him to get us to isolate ourselves. It might feel good to our flesh at the time, but it is unwise and it is the enemy's plan to divide us and separate us from the body of Christ. So, if that's what our flesh wants to do, and that's not what God wants us to do, then what should we do? What does the Spirit of God within us want us to do? The Bible gives us so much wisdom on this, and we could look at so many different scriptures today, but I want us to zoom in on one passage in 1 Peter chapter 3. I love this chapter because first of all, in 1 Peter 3, it gives some amazing wisdom to wives, and then it gives wisdom to husbands. Now, remember that the enemy wants to bring division in our marriages as well. And I encourage you, if you haven't read those passages of scripture recently, to go back and read them later. We're not going to take time to look at that portion because we've already spent a week talking about the family. But today, I want us to start right after those portions because after it talks to the women, to wives, and then to the husbands, then it talks to all of us. It says, finally, all of you. Now, that can apply to the wives and the husbands as well, but it really applies to all of us and all of our relationships, how to navigate our relationships. So look with me at 1 Peter 3, and we're going to start in verse 8. Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, I want us to break this passage down and to look at it with, in more detail. First of all, it starts out in verse 8. All of you be of one mind. We can read that and say, okay. God wants us united, but it's really more than that. I want you to be of one mind. Does that mean that we all should be thinking exactly the same things, saying the same things, doing the same things, clones of each other? No, of course not. Do you know what this literally means in the original writing? It means to be harmonious, not to be clones but to bring our unique differences together, where we're operating in harmony with each other. Think about an orchestra, how beautiful the music is with an orchestra. You can have one instrument. Take one, one musician, one instrument out of that orchestra and have them play all by themselves. 
okay, that might be pretty, but then you put them in that orchestra and you have them all play in harmony together, wow, it's beautiful. It's so much more beautiful. We are far more beautiful together than any one of us ever are on our own. And we can reveal far more of God to the world around us when we are united and harmonious, when we are in harmony with each other. That's what he's talking about. And then it continues on and says, now how do you do that? That's the real question, right? How do we do it? And he gives us very clear instructions. Number one, have compassion for one another. You know, all throughout scripture, we see Jesus in the New Testament having compassion on others. Throughout the Gospels, he's moved with compassion. He's full of compassion. We need to ask for his mind towards others around us. We need to ask him to give us his compassion for them. Remember, every person has a story. You never know what is behind their behavior. Don't take someone's behavior at face value. There's a story behind that. We need to recognize that and ask God to help us see them as he sees them and give us his compassion for them. You know that person that's really irritating you right now? Maybe you need a little more compassion for them. Second thing, then it continues on and it says love as brothers, or we can say sisters, because that word, it's literally in the original writings referring to the bond between the closest of brothers and sisters who look out for the benefit of each other. Are you looking out for the benefit for the best for that person who is driving you crazy? Just food for thought. It's very quiet in here. <laughs> These are instructions to us from God's word. How we can live in unity with the body of Christ. Be compassionate. Love them as dear sisters. And then the third thing it says, be tender-hearted. That literally means be sympathetic, showing pity. Can I tell you, we will never be sympathetic towards someone until we receive God's compassion for them. He wants us to be tender-hearted, sympathetic towards others. And then the next thing it tells us is to be courteous. It doesn't just mean be phony nice, okay? doesn't mean paint the little church smile on your face, but something else is going on up here. No. Do you know what courteous literally means? It means friendly of mind and kind. Huh. So that means let your thoughts and your actions be friendly and kind. Okay. Next, <laughs> then it continues on in that passage and says, 
Do not return evil for evil. So often, that word evil, we think, oh, I'm not evil. Like, evil's really horrible. Did you know anything contrary to the ways of God, if it's not God's ways, then it's evil ways? Quite simply. So we need to be mindful not to return hurtful behavior when we've been hurt. That's what it's talking about here. Not returning evil for evil. Things that are hurtful. Hurtful behavior. Things that are not from the heart and nature of God. If we've been hurt, we don't need to hurt back. We don't need to return that same kind of favor or behavior to others. <laughs> That's not a favor. <laughs> don't return hurtful behavior when you've been hurt. Okay? And then it says, and not returning reviling for reviling. What does that mean? We don't use that word too often, do we? It means don't speak harsh or hurtful words when harsh or hurtful words have been spoken to you. Hmm. Sometimes they just come out so fast, don't they? <laughs> you know what it says? It continues on, and it says, but on the contrary, blessing. And last week we talked about what that word blessing literally means. It means to speak well of. So saying don't speak harsh or hateful words when harsh or hateful words are spoken to you. But it doesn't end there. It's not like just zip it, don't say a word. You know, you grew up hearing, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. No, the Bible actually takes it a step further and says, yes, say something, but say a blessing. Say something nice. Speak well of them. Praise them. Oh, Okay. And I love that God knows how difficult this can be for some of us <laughs> because the word is just so full of wisdom about our tongues and how we need to control our tongues and that the power of life and death are in the tongue. We need to understand it. So even here in this passage, it spends a little bit more time on this one. Okay, don't, don't lash back but actually speak well of. And then it says, knowing that you were called to this. Whoa, ladies, that means this is what God has called us to. This is how he's called and created us to live and to respond to people. We need to understand that. And if that's how he's created us to respond, then he's equipped us for that, even when you don't feel like it. Because his spirit dwells in us. And then it says, knowing that you were called to this, that we may inherit a blessing. And remember that word blessing, speak well of. When we speak well of others, you know what's going to happen? People are going to speak well of us because they see God in us. We don't do it so that, oh, people will speak well of me. But no, we want people to see Jesus in us, right? And then verse 10, it continues on talking about refraining our tongue from evil. We need to learn to control our tongues. But then in verse 11, it says, turn away from 
evil. Remember, it's any response that's contrary to God's nature. Because if it's contrary to his nature, then it's evil in nature, okay? So in other words, let's be women that are not careless with our behavior or our words that could bring hurt to others. Turn away from that. And not only that, but let's be women who don't pick up offenses, who don't retaliate, who don't lash back, who don't run away and isolate. That's evil because it's not God's heart. So turn away from that. And then instead, tells us, do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Can I tell you, recently I was talking with a woman here at Bridge Women. And she was just sharing some things with me. And, and she had a situation where there was some conflict with someone. And someone said something that could have been incredibly hurtful to her. That wasn't the heart behind it, but conflict arose from that. And she had a choice to make on how to deal with that. And she even had people speaking into her life saying, well, I can't believe you would want to go back. I can't believe you would want to be around someone that would have said that or hurt you. Ladies, we need to recognize the counsel that we give to people, okay? But I am so proud of this woman because she said, I am not going to let the enemy get in here. She refused to give him any place. And she said, no, I'm going to keep going. And she told me that as a result, God has done so much in her life. And it was so beautiful hearing her share this, hearing that God has worked so beautifully in her life. But can I tell you, there's so much more to it than that. Because this woman is such an incredible blessing to all of us every week at Bridge Women. Everyone she talks to, she just oozes Jesus. She's a blessing to all of us. And I stopped and thought about it later after the conversation, and I thought, wow. If she would have allowed the enemy to win, if she had allowed the enemy to get in there, all of us would have been robbed of the beauty and the gifts that God's put within her. We need to recognize our part in the body is so valuable. And the enemy wants to rip us out of the body. And we can't let him. We've got to be women that refuse to let him win. Because God wants to work in us and he wants to work through us. And he wants us to be that beautiful, united harmony fulfilling his purposes on the earth. I am so thankful that I hear over and over and over again from women who come to Bridge Women how amazed they are that women are so friendly here, that their past experiences with other uh, women's groups, other places, has not been that way. And they've seen cliques, and they've seen jealousy, and they've seen backbiting, and they don't see that here. I am so thankful for that. 
I am very saddened that that happens other places. But as much as we don't see that, and we are so friendly and embracing and truly a sisterhood here, can I just say that even from that one example, we can see that we're not perfect. And things do happen. And maybe something has happened that has rubbed you the wrong way. Let's learn from our sister. And let's refuse to give the enemy any place. Amen? And then our passage continues on with verse 12, and it says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Ladies, when we respond out of our flesh, when we allow strife in a relationship, it prevents God from hearing our prayers. Did you know that? But when we respond as he wants us to, his ears are wide open to our prayers. We need to be praying for unity among us. We need to be praying for unity within the body of Christ. The enemy is strategic in his efforts to destroy our unity. So we need to be strategic in prayer to fight for our unity. Because if we're not praying for our unity, then we are leaving any hopes of unity to our emotions, to misunderstandings, to circumstances. And we are giving the enemy room. We're swinging the door wide open to him. And I do not want to do that. You see, prayer is what will keep us focused on the important and eternal things rather than the petty and unimportant things. Prayer will keep us focused on our commonalities in Christ, on our joint purpose for his kingdom, rather than picking apart our differences. And prayer will help us appreciate our differences because that is what brings the beautiful harmony to our unity. Our unique differences, all working together for one eternal purpose. Now, there might be someone here thinking, okay, so my takeaway is that I should be nice to Christians, but I don't really have to be nice to unbelievers. No, let me just set it straight right now. That is not at all what we are saying. You see, when love is strong between us, then we'll be able to love the world effectively and lead them to Jesus. This morning as I was driving here, this little song from Sunday school eons ago started running through my mind that I hadn't thought about in years. Maybe you know that song, God's Got an Army Marching Through the Land. Notice I'm not singing it. I'll just tell you the words. <laughs> God's got an army <laughs> marching through the land. Deliverance is their song. There's healing in their hand, everlasting joy and gladness in their hearts. And in that army, I've got a part. That just started going through my mind. And I thought, that is God's Desire, his plan, his picture for us, that we are his army, marching through our land, united 
with deliverance as our song, healing in our hands to everyone that we come in contact with, joy in our hearts, connected together. That is his plan for us. But I want to ask you to think about something within your own heart today. If it is easier for you to love the world than to love the body of Christ, and I feel like there is somebody sitting here thinking that, like, well, I can love unbelievers way easier than I can love believers. I want to encourage you today to come to God in prayer and ask him to show you why that is. Don't just point the finger at others. Ask him to show you what's going on within you. Give him room to speak into your life. Because maybe the enemy has been strategic in keeping you from fully uniting with the body of Christ. Maybe the enemy's schemes are at work and you haven't even realized it. So bring it to God. Let him show you so he can do what he wants to do in and through you. And maybe you're someone who finds yourself constantly in conflict with others. Can I encourage you to come to God in prayer? Let him speak to you. Let him show you if there's areas that need some adjustment and start putting these principles that we talked about today from 1 Peter 3 to work in your life. Getting his mind, his compassion towards others, being tenderhearted. All through the list. But wherever you are at in your walk with God, you know what? It is time for all of us to rise up and be strategic against the enemy's schemes through prayer. We all need to be praying for our unity, unity in the body of Christ. And we are going to do that all together before we leave this place today. And, you know, each week, as each chapter encourages us to write out our own prayer regarding that particular topic, whoever's teaching that week has been reading the prayer they wrote as an example, but we all wrap our hearts around it, and, and we pray that together. But today we're going to do something a little bit different in a few moments. And I've put together a prayer for us corporately, for our corporate unity, that we are going to pray together. But first, before we do that, I just have to ask, maybe you're here today, and maybe you've never experienced your own personal relationship with God. Maybe you've been coming with a friend, maybe they have a relationship with God, maybe you've talked to people who do, but you've never fully surrendered your life to him. He wants you to be part of his family, connected with his family. There are a sisterhood of women here in this place that want to be connected in relationship with you. And we just want to give you that opportunity right now through prayer to just ask Jesus to be the Lord of your lives. So could I just ask everyone in this place to close your eyes for a moment? And can we all just pray this prayer together? 
If that's you and you want to start a relationship with God, just wrap your heart around these words and surrender your life to him as we pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're my father, that you created me to be part of your family. And so right now I surrender my life to you. And I ask you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. I want to be in your family, united with your body. So help me from this day forward to live in relationship with you and in relationship with your family. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Awesome. I just think we might have some new sisters in our family in this place today. Can we welcome women into God's family? Awesome. Okay. I want us to do something together. I want us to be serious about praying, fighting in prayer for our unity. So I want to ask you to stand to your feet. Because you know we're more serious when we stand, right? I don't know why. <laughs> But I want us also to put some action to what we're praying. And I know you're sitting around tables, so it might be difficult. But the best you can, I want you to grab hands with sisters standing around you. And you know what I want us to do today? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us in prayer, but I want to ask us all to pray this together. I'm going to say one line at a time. And as I do, I want to ask you to repeat this with me, that we could really make this our prayer of our hearts. And as we've gone through this study, we've seen that each week we've done our prayers in, in the acronym for pray, with, starting with praise and then repentance and then asking and then yes, putting ourselves in agreement with God's word. So we're going to do that same thing today. But would you repeat this with me? Can we pray this with all our hearts today together? Let's come to God in prayer. Father, we praise you and thank you that we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, we are your daughters and part of your family. Together, we are a sisterhood. And our individual parts in your family are only significant when we are connected and working in harmony with each other. Thank you that John 17 records Jesus' prayer for us to live in unity with each other. And it is our desire to live in a way that will show we are the answer to his prayer. Father, we repent for times when we've allowed our feathers to get ruffled by believers. Forgive us for giving in to fleshly responses. 
Forgive us for times when we may have looked at differences more than our common purpose. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to live with an eternal perspective, to see as you see, to have your love, your compassion, your tenderheartedness, your kindness in thought and action. Help us to only speak well of others. Help us to refuse to give in to the evil desires of our flesh. And choose to be led by your spirit in response to others around us. And now we put ourselves in agreement with your word. According to Colossians 3.15, we will let the peace of God rule in our hearts and flood through our lives to bring unity in the body of Christ. And according to Romans 14.19, we will pursue peace. And we will build others up, not tear them down. And according to Ephesians 4.14, we refuse to be like little children who are tossed around by the enemy's schemes. We choose to love, not just in word, but also in action, according to 1 John 3. And according to Philippians 2, we make it our endeavor to be of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose with the body of Christ, Doing nothing from selfishness or from empty conceit, but with humility of mind, we will regard others as more important than ourselves, not merely looking out for our own personal interests, but for the interests of others. We declare that your word will be fulfilled in our lives with a resounding yes and amen in Jesus' name. Amen. Ladies. We need to be praying for our unity regularly because when we are, it keeps our hearts clean and pure and allows stuff to just slide right off. Yep. All right. Well, we've got a little bit of time left at your tables. So with the remainder of your time today, why don't you just talk about some verses that you can start praying over 
the, your unity over the body of Christ for unity on a regular basis. All right? Love you ladies so much. Don't forget next week, no Tuesday, Monday night season finale.